What's going on, everybody? You're listening to episode number 81 of Trail Tales. My name is Kyle O'Grady. I am a huge hiking nerd, and every single week on this podcast, I chat with other hiking nerds about their experiences on the trail. This week's guest is a man named Philip Werner. He is the, I don't know, the mastermind behind sectionhiker.com, which is one of the most popular hiking blogs um, also one of the oldest hiking blogs, like honestly, probably like the oldest. I don't even know. I should ask him that. But anyways, it's a invaluable resource for folks who are looking to get into backpacking. Lots of gear reviews on there and lots of trip reports as well from his experiences in the White Mountains, which is a lot of what we talk about today. We do talk about his blog and section hiker. I, of course, the content creator and me had to ask him some questions about that, but we mostly focus on his experiences in the White Mountains. And at the end of the episode, he tells a story that should be a kind of a chilling reminder to everybody who's an experienced hiker that you really can't let your guard down sometimes because uh, without spoiling it too much, even experienced hikers can still get injured out there sometimes. And he's, he's okay, don't worry. But uh, yeah, I've spoiled it enough. You'll have to wait till the end of the episode to hear that. So with that said, Philip, when you hear this, thank you so much for coming on. Um, let's do it again soon. I love your work. I love your site. And it was a pleasure. I got to give a huge shout out to Patrick, who is the official Trail Tales editor, the very first one ever, at least for the next couple months. Anyways, Patrick is a student at Clarkson University in the same program, taking a lot of the same classes that I was taking when I was in Potsdam and so uh, yeah he's gonna be helping me out so if this episode sounds like shit then it's not my fault I'm sure it's gonna sound great though because he is a, a very very smart dude so thank you very much Patrick and also huge thank you to all the Trail Tales Patreon supporters in particular Ryan is the newest one he just joined a few days ago so welcome Ryan and thank you again to everybody else who's on the Patreon Head over to patreon.com slash trailtales and consider joining the Patreon. You'll get some some perks and it's a really great way to help out the show. And speaking of helping out the show, I also need to give a huge shout out and a huge thank you to this week's sponsor, CS Instant Coffee. Folks, you gotta level up your coffee game while you're on the trail. And the reason I know this is because I recently leveled up mine that's right before i started working with cs i was drinking that folgers nonsense that starbucks stuff which is not even that much better even though it's more expensive and it's all crap basically is what i'm trying to say here and it's all crap in comparison to cs instant coffee these guys are a very small relatively new company and their coffee is perfect to bring out with you on the trail or even it's it's even perfect just to drink anyways i've been drinking that stuff uh as I get ready for work in the morning, even though I have a coffee maker, I've just been drinking CS Instant Coffee because it's super, super easy and they sent me a bunch and I'm very thankful for that. So definitely go check them out. Another really cool thing about CS is that they're donating 25% of their sales to the Appalachian Trail Conservancy. I think that's really cool because again, these guys are a small company. It's not like they have a huge, huge budget. I don't know that much about their bottom line, but I guarantee you they don't have like a huge budget, right? But despite that, they're still donating, I mean, a quarter of their sales to this trail organization that is so important to them, so important to me, and of course, so important to many of you. And I just think that's really awesome. I think that reflects very well on their ethics and just their company in general. So you guys should definitely go check them out. I love this URL already. Go to csinstant.coffee. I didn't even know you could get a website that had like .coffee as the, like I don't that's crazy. I should make the Trail Tales website, like trailtalespod.coffee. Uh, but anyway, csinstant.coffee. If you wanna check out their stuff, you can also visit the link in the description. That is a affiliate link so i will get a little bit of a kickback from that as well which was which is uh, pretty awesome so yeah go check them out go level up your coffee game while you're on the trail and thank you so much to cs for sponsoring this episode with that said let's do it number 81 of trail tales episode number 81 philip werner the i think i said mastermind behind sectionhiker.com and also i didn't even say this earlier a White Mountain Redliner, which I think is the right way to say that. Yeah, let's do it. All right, here we go. Episode number 81 of Trail Tales. Philip Werner, what's going on, man? Oh, not much. Hanging out. 
chilling. Watching the, watching the rain. Watching the rain. Yeah, we had a bunch of rain earlier, but it suddenly got sunny right right when I got off work too, which was which was good timing. But then again, I was in here on my computer anyway, so didn't really matter that much. But anyways, folks, this is a this is a cool episode for me. So in the past, I've done for those of you that listen to all these episodes, I've done various episodes with with uh, other content creators, usually YouTubers, people like Syntax Seventy Seven and uh, Tuts from Checking On, who at the beginning of the episode, I'll always be like oh my god, they're like such an inspiration for me like when I was young and like getting into hiking and blah blah blah. And I haven't had one of those episodes in a while, but this is one of those episodes because Philip Werner is the the genius behind sectionhiker.com and uh, that was a huge, huge inspiration and honestly just a huge source of uh, knowledge for me when I was first getting into hiking back in like, I don't know, 2012, 2013, when I was still in high school and stuff. So it's really cool to talk to Philip. And it's even cooler because usually I'm the one that reaches out to people to have them be on the show. Like I invite them on the show, but Philip reached out to me and asked to be on the show, which I thought was really cool. Uh, so anyways, dude, I'm really excited to have you here. I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, for those of for those that don't uh, know who you are, who aren't familiar with your, your blog and all that stuff, why don't you just uh, give a introduction? Well, uh, Section Hiker has been around since, uh, I guess, 2007. Uh, oh, it's, I didn't realize it went back that far. Damn. Yeah, yeah. And it touches pretty much on every single aspect of backpacking and hiking, you can imagine. <laughs> uh, and it, it, uh, it largely follows sort of some of my adventures. Um, and uh, we have a lot of gear reviews uh, and educational articles. I try to really focus on uh, communicating to people how to use gear, how to think about gear, how to plan trips, and navigate, and all kinds of different skills. Uh, and so that's kind of our focus. And it, it's a, you know, we publish five days a week, uh, year in, year out, uh, and uh, there. I, I estimate. I actually don't know. <laughs> Have never counted over a thousand gear reviews on the site. We've, wow, we've reviewed everything possible. <laughs> That's so cool. I, I love the gear reviews on there too, because generally I'm not someone anymore. At least back when I was first reading Section Hiker, I definitely was. But nowadays, I'm not really too much of a like a gear nerd. Like I don't go down the rabbit hole too much. Like reviewing or uh, reading reviews and and watching gear videos and stuff. But I like the way you do yours and. And the reason I like it is because, especially with like the tents, for instance, I was because that's the most recent one I I looked at probably about a month ago. Um, I like how you kind of categorize tents, and then so while you're reading a review of one tent, I think it was one of the tarp tents I was reading a review of. You also had like a chart in the middle of the review that that showed similar tents with similar weights and similar uh, purposes and things like that. So I really like that. People should definitely go uh, check out Section Hiker for um for stuff like that but then you also do a bunch of stuff in the whites too yeah oh, oh the, and that's an understatement i know <laughs> I, I i actually live like 25 yards from the uh white Ma mountain national forest boundary oh nice oh yeah it's great i'm right here in in valley uh yeah i hike year round in the whites um you know it's just absolutely fantastic hiking i had someone recently referred to it as the hardest hiking in the in the country which could be, and uh, actually I've been hiking here for probably about 15 years um, and have done all the high peaks, do a lot of bushwhacking, do a lot of backcountry fly fishing, cross-country skiing. You know, it's a total uh, playground for people who like to be outdoors. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Dude, I'm jealous. I've said this on other episodes, but I want to... I want to live in the Whites or even the Adirondacks, just somewhere like really close to the mountains. Burlington's not too bad. I got a lot of stuff close here, but it would be so cool, man. It'd and be there's so cool. no traffic. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> that's beautiful. That's that's so cool. Dude, I didn't realize that you started... Like, I knew, obviously, I knew Section Hiker has been around for a while, but I didn't realize you started it all the way back in 2007. That's crazy. Well, I, I started it actually, at, believe it or not, as a sort of offshoot of work. Um, my boss said, here, there's this new thing called WordPress, this blogging platform, go see what we can build on top of it. I was in the software industry. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, I was preparing for, uh, to hike the long trail in Vermont. And I thought, what the heck, I'll blog about it. 
And one thing led to another, and three years later, I quit my job, <laughs> quit the industry, and and just set out on my own to see if I could make it as a, just a you know a content creator in the backpacking space. So you're like, you're one of like the OG like backpacking bloggers, content creators. I think that's so cool. Um, it also must have been this is side tangent on software, but I'm a software developer too, and. I just think it'd be really cool to watch WordPress like go from I'm I don't even know what it was like back in 2005 and honestly I really don't know a lot about it now but I built the Trail Tales website using WordPress so I know a little bit about it and I'm sure it's changed a lot since 2005 so I'm sure it was cool to watch the evolution of backpacking content go from just a simple blog into you know what it is today with all these podcasts and YouTube channels and all these different websites and stuff and also watch WordPress <laughs> go well, like, explode like that too. <laughs> well, thank God for WordPress. That, I know. It, it, you know, it really it really gives you a, a good foundation to build on. Absolutely, and it scales pretty well. Absolutely, yeah. It made my life. I took a couple of web design classes in college, and those were way more difficult than building a, a site with oh, WordPress yeah. was. So, anyways, before I bore everybody with yeah. too much <laughs> hiking, or uh, excuse me, too much non-hiking talk, too much software talk, um, I need to bring up an email that I sent you. So, for everybody listening, this is really this is stupid and embarrassing. But especially if you've watched my YouTube videos, you've probably heard me talk about how. When I was in high school, when I was first getting into backpacking and hiking, I was like super just naive and cringy. I mean, everyone everyone has a, a big learning curve when they're first getting into this stuff, but add the goofiness of a like 16-year-old, 17-year-old, 18-year-old in on that learning curve, and it's just absolutely ridiculous. So anyways, back in July of 2014, I experienced a really <laughs> traumatic thunderstorm while I was hiking in the whites. And um, I was camping actually overnight by myself <clears throat> and I was like kind of like <laughs> I was like I I'm trying to find the right word here. I was kind of like shell-shocked from it afterwards I guess. Um, I was just like kind of paranoid afterwards and so I, I wrote <laughs> Philip an email asking him how he deals with thunderstorms. <laughs> Uh, because I just didn't know any better at the time. And I was like, I got to ask somebody and who else, but some of my favorite content creators. So, so anyways, I'm going to read this email cause it's just really stupid. And then we'll talk about some stuff that actually matters here. But anyways, so on July 9th, 2014, <clears throat> I wrote, Hey Philip, I spent the last two nights backpacking in the white mountains by myself. The first night went fine, but a midnight midnight thunderstorm popped up the second night and scared the living hell out of me. <laughs> I was laying alone in my hammock trembling as the lightning flashed right above me. I survived obviously, but now I'm extremely paranoid about going back out into the woods and camping away from a shelter. I've been in lightning storms before, but I was inside a lean-to or enclosed shelter for both of them and they never really bothered me. Do you have any advice on how to combat this? Uh, any advice on how to stay safe in a lightning storm? Uh, my campsite was within feet from a medium-sized brook. I imagine this was not the safest thing either. Thanks, Narnar. So that's kind of goofy. Philip replied, uh, same day. <laughs> and this is a great response. This is exactly what you should have told me. This is exactly what <laughs> I needed to hear. You wrote, I was camping in that storm too last night. My solution? Listen to old Black Sabbath turned up for decades. <laughs> Loud bangs don't bother me, smiley face. <laughs> and yeah, that was exactly what I needed to hear. Um, <laughs> the thread went on a little bit, but um, I think that summed it up pretty well. So anyway, I had to, when you when you contacted me the other day, Philip, that like just popped into my head and I was like, I'm pretty sure I emailed this guy. Like I should try to find it. And sure enough, 2014, there it is. But anyways, enough, uh, enough. I've been doing too much talking here. Um Dude, I'm, I'm, I'm usually more sympathetic now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, dude, that's that's so funny. Um, man, I don't even know where to start. You like you've done so much. So actually, so first of all, redlining. My my uh, the guest I had on last week, um, she is attempting to set the woman's FKT of the redlining thing, yeah. the redlining project, and so that's kind of fresh on people's minds. Hopefully, who, fresh on my. Uh, her name is Rebecca Sperry. Her trail name is Socked In. Um, she just started, so uh -huh. I don't know how far in exactly she is, but she just started like a couple weeks ago, I think. She's a really, really strong hiker. Um, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure she'll do it. But uh, you've, <laughs> you've redlined too, yeah? Yeah, I finished uh, a first round in 
2017. We should explain what redlining is. Yes, just so, do just do a, the the Cliff Notes version because we yeah. we talked about it all of last episode. But I'm sure oh, other okay. people will be listening. Okay, so. well, there, there's this thing called the White Mountain Guide, which is this big thick book that has trail descriptions of all the trails in the White Mountains. And in fact, there are like 652 in the current edition, which is the 30th edition of this book. <laughs> and um, redliners uh, hike every single trail in the White Mountain Guide, and it takes you know it, it takes well it takes as long as it takes, but uh, it takes most people anywhere from five to twenty years to finish it. <laughs> yeah, and it's kind of like a it's an interesting pursuit. There's there's a lot of, uh, although the White Mountain Trail system is highly interconnected, it's way spread out. So there's a fair amount of driving you have to do. Right. Uh, so I've actually backpacked quite a lot of it. Uh, and it, it's uh, a great way to do it. In fact, I wrote a guidebook about all the backpacking trips that I did for redlining, uh, which is called Backpacking the White Mountain 4,000 Footers, which is up on my website. And it's free if you want to use it. Um, and, um, but I'm also redlining a second round and I'm about 90% of the way through my second round. And I just love hiking up here so much. And, uh, I wanted to revisit all the trails that I hadn't been on <laughs> for a while. <laughs> yeah. And, and they change. It's interesting how much the trail system changes, uh, rerouted oh. new trails, old trails. That's uh, a cool thought, honestly. Down. And then you have the sort of the weather influence, which is, you know, some things you do in winter and summer. It's all very different. Right. So, um, but anyway, it's, it's a lot of fun. There's a great community of people. There are probably about 100 people who are very, very active in doing it. And it's just super supportive, super non-competitive. Um, it's just a really great community. I love love hiking. You know, yeah, and, dude. And, it's it's, it's yeah, so it's cool, great. honestly. Um so talking to Sockton in the last episode, uh, we because she's planned out everything. Um, I was kind of asking her about whether she was going to be doing mostly day hikes, mostly backpacking trips, and for her, she had a couple backpacking trip plans, backpacking trips planned. But for the most part, she wants to do them in day hikes. And it sounds like from what you just said, you kind of did the opposite. You did a lot of backpacking trips, so. Let's get a let's get a slightly different perspective on a question that we talked about last episode. I think that'd be kind of cool. Um, do you think there's any advantage to doing it either way, or is that just like a personal preference thing for you? What what would you advise someone who maybe wants to redline in the future as far as a uh, day hikes versus backpacking trips for the majority of it? Two things: redline with a partner. <laughs> <laughs> so all your there are a lot of in and out hikes, out and back hikes. And um, so I, I actually hike mainly solo because I just gives me peace and quiet. Uh, but uh, it it adds up to a lot of miles when you can't do loops. Right. So that's one thing. And the other thing is get a car with four wheel drive or a truck. Oh. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're part of the 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 challenge of redlining is finding some of these trails. They are in the middle of nowhere, and uh, you're driving down, you know, forest service roads, and it's it, insane. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> and I, I, my last car, I just completely destroyed. Uh, so I'm in a Subaru now. That's good. Oh, there you, you'd fit right in here in Vermont. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh, that's so good, dude. Um, it's when I I was doing a trip last fall. And I I mentioned this at the time uh, in one of the episodes back then, but it's been, you know, almost a long time since then now. So anyways, I'm going to say it again. I was doing a trail. What was the trail called? It was on the backside of Mount Tremont, I think. Uh-huh. Um, uh, I don't, I, it was started with a B maybe. Like Benel Trail. Yes, yes, that's what it was. Um, yeah. I just put together like a two and a half day loop or whatever. I wasn't, you uh -huh. know, I'm not trying to redline. I just wanted to experience, because I've done the 4,000 footers. I'd finished them at that point, so I was just trying to experience some lesser known trails in the whites and stuff, which I still like to do now. Um, and so part of my loop just included this Brunel trail, I think, it, yeah, Brunel trail or whatever it is. And I remember getting on this trail and I could barely follow that thing. Like I made it, like I was fine, but someone who isn't experienced and probably isn't as good at following the trail when it's not obvious, when it's not blazed well, would like pretty realistically probably would have gotten lost on that trail and had to turn around or something. 
Um, so I'm just curious, like, I, and I don't even know what my question is here, but it's just a thought, honestly. Are, are, are the trails like that? Yes. I, well, I, I was going <laughs> to say, like, how many, right? Because obviously, you know, the presidential traverse isn't like that. You know, all the AT through there isn't like that. Um, You know, the Pemi Loop isn't like that. A lot of those popular trails aren't like that. But I'm just curious, like, what percentage of the redlining project, roughly, obviously, your estimate, um, is, like, pretty difficult to follow, like, wilderness trails like that? Probably 10%. Oh, okay. That's actually not as bad as I thought then, honestly. Yeah, but I, I was on that exact same trail uh, about a month ago, uh, climbing Owlscliff and Tremont, and um, I also had a hard time following that trail. Dude, it's crazy. Like, oh my it's God. Insa- well, and it was like, you know, it was sort of early June, so the snow had just melted oh, out. Oh, yeah. And so you had this pressed down leaf litter from in spring from over over the winter Mm -hmm. and so it was really hard to see if there was a tread and no one hikes that way no one goes up that way yeah exactly um so yeah it was tough i I did find it i think (laughs) (laughs) well you made it yeah yeah it was crazy it was like i mean because i've been on trails like that before but that one still sticks out to me is probably like the most I don't know, seldom travel. Like, honestly, you're probably the last, like, I was probably the last person to hike that before you just did, honestly. It's like, it was so crazy. Um, there was like literally, it actually was blazed decently. That was kind of like my saving grace. Like, not, not blazed well, but just enough that I could see the blazes and see like where maybe a up, log had been cut or something. Point. Up yeah. to a point. <laughs> and then it gets really <laughs> steep at the end there too. Exactly. So that was, that was really exactly. tough as well. But I was just like, in my head, I was like, mm, this is one of these situations where I probably shouldn't tell my mom that I'm out here like by myself with absolutely nobody, no chance of anybody like coming up this trail if something goes wrong. But I digress. Um, I think you might have said this a second ago, so I apologize. But how far into your second round are you? Uh, it's something like 89.8%. Oh, dude. you're Oh, man. that's oh, We're going to get to this at the end, but that really sucks that you were that close with uh, your injury and stuff now. Well, it would have been a, it would have been a long summer. Uh, <laughs> I had a lot of really hard hikes. I guess, yeah, even 10% left of a project like that is still a lot of hiking. So yeah. um, to your knowledge, how many, if any at all, people have done it twice? I think four other people have done it twice four other people that's actually more than i thought to be honest with you i was and again i don't know that much about this project obviously but that seems like that's that's pretty impressive honestly dude you're, oh, you're so close to a second round that's actually nuts um that's crazy what has been like i know you're not done yet obviously but like what have been and you kind of alluded to this a little bit at the beginning um yeah what, what have been like some of the major differences between round one and round two so far well probably the biggest one is i know where all the trails are <laughs> So I've been there before, which which right. does help. I, and uh, I think I've been uh, – well, the other thing, the, a big difference is this past winter was pretty mild. So I actually got to redline most of the winter. And in previous years, I couldn't um, just because there was just too much damn snow. Yeah. And, and the interesting thing is, you know, it, the only trails that are actually broken out in winter are the ones to the 4,000-footers generally in the whites. So mm-hmm. imagine 652 trails and maybe about 40 or 50 are broken out. Yeah. So it's really hard to actually do any redlining in winter. So, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, the biggest difference is just uh, I'm probably more systematic uh, in how I, I do them. The first time I did the, the redlining rounds, you know, I, I spent years hiking round after round of the 4,000 footers uh, and wasn't really... I, I, my intention wasn't to redline. It was just a hike. Right. Right. And only after about eight years, nine years, did I go, oh, <laughs> you know, I wonder how far I am through this spreadsheet, <laughs> which so has cool. all the trails in it. And, uh, you know, I was at 50%. And I said, well, geez, I should finish this. And that, so it took me two years to finish the other 50%. Um, and so this time, you know, my only intention was basically to redline mm-hmm. as opposed to doing other things. And so it's been a lot faster. You know, it's uh, this will be my fourth year. That's that's so cool, man. Um, oh, I just had so many questions. Uh, for So just going back to what you said there, is kind of the strategy then to save the most popular trails up the 4,000 footers for the winter then? Or is that just like... <laughs> 
I don't know. Like, nope, how do that's you? Exactly, that's exactly the strategy. Okay, but then on the flip side, I feel like, you know, I'm just spitballing here, but then on the flip side, I feel like um, for some of them, at least, not all of them, obviously, but especially for like, you know, Franconia Ridge and the, the presidentials, like, probably makes more sense to do those in the summer just because of the easier weather, I guess, or the better chance of having a safe day to do them. But I guess there's a, there's a balance you have to strike there, yeah. You know, I think you can you can become fanatical about the thing, and and I I try to avoid doing that. What I what I try to do is sort of there are there are I think twelve different regions in the White Mountains that are covered in the White Mountain Guide, and what I try to do is alternate between them every couple of hikes. So I'm sort of visit, visiting and revisiting regions and just sort of mixing it up. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just don't. I, I probably. If I do any planning, it's mostly around the weather. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? It's like I won't go up above tree line when there are thunderstorms. Okay? Forget it. You know? And and winter forecasting is really essential, you know, in terms of wind speed and storms and whatnot. So, you know, you can't really – it's interesting that your guest, uh, your redlining guest had planned it all out. Good luck with that. Yeah, the thing with her, she's going for the FKT though, so I think that's yeah. why um, that's why she had put so much thought into it. I guess. Well, you know what happens? It, it, I wish her luck. Really, I mean, I think it's great, but shit happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like it rains and you can't get across the river. Oh yeah. Um, so all that stuff happens for real, um, or you have an accident, or you know whatever. You you have to like take care of a friend who's sick or whatever. So. Things get in the way. Things oh, yeah. get in the way. Oh yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, we'll see. <clears throat> we'll see what happens. I believe in her. I do, honestly. Oh, not, not just because it's great. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I, not that you know. I'm not, I know that's not what you're saying, but um, yeah. She's a she's a really strong hiker, and she's also a really big fan of trail tales. So I appreciate that as cool. well. Um, shout out to last week's guest, Socked In. Um, oh dude, where to even go? I always have such a hard time with like the the redlining guests. I've had. I think you're the fourth guest I've had on now. That's or, or third that's well, done it. Fourth that's attempting to do it. I guess it's gotten suddenly extremely popular. Yeah, <laughs> for <laughs> no known reason. We're yeah. all we're all scratching our heads, saying, "Why would you want to do this?" Just hiking yeah. in general, man. Just hiking in general has gotten and through hiking this the same way. Um, but I guess it's it is a little bit different too when it's something as specific and niche as redlining in the White Mountains versus the overall concept of right. of hiking and through hiking and stuff. But but damn, that's that's crazy. I think like <laughs> what I really want to do is when I retire, whenever the hell that is someday, if I'm fortunate enough to make it to that age, then I want to live in like North Conway and just like <laughs> redline. That's like my retirement project. I think that'd be so cool, honestly, because I I. Like I said a second ago, I finished the 4,000 footers in like 2017. And since then, I've always like just been trying to go back when I can to just experience parts of the whites that I didn't get to see on the 4,000 footers. Um, You know, I've still gone up and redid a couple of them like Kerrigan because I love that mountain. But for the most part, like I'm trying to see stuff that I haven't seen before because people just get so and understandably so, but people get so sucked into the 4,000 footers like I did. Um, and I feel like sometimes they overlook everything else in the whites. So I guess my question here that I'm leading into is, um, this might be hard, honestly, because it's a pretty general question, but what are just, just off the top of your mind, what's like an area in the whites could be just one trail or just an area, you know, a couple trails, a part of the region that you think people overlook. Um, that's, that's not part of the, uh, 4,000 footers. Oh, the dry river wilderness. I'm glad you said that because I'm actually thinking about heading there this weekend. To yeah. be honest with you, <laughs> and and it's a tough place to hike. Tough is it? place. Oh yeah. Why is that? Uh, the trail system is really chewed up by uh, uh, landslides. Oh, okay. Real, you'll find yourself like <laughs> holding <laughs> holding on to the seat of your pants. <laughs> sometimes oh, boy. I mean it's it's. Uh, yeah, and, and there are parts of it that are extremely hard to navigate. Like the Oaks Gulf headwall is very tough. So going up from uh, the shelter up to uh, Lakes of the Clouds is a really hard route to find. It's dry, driver river wilderness. That's um, like where Mount Isolation is, right? Uh, yeah, Isolation is sort of on the uh, uh, southeast end. Southeast end, okay. Maybe I was yeah. thinking of something different. What's the... Well, What's the one over by, like, say, west of 
or east of uh, like Carter Carter Dome and the Wildcats. Oh, that's uh, well, the whole uh, well, that's Wild River Wilderness Wilderness. Oh, and that's, I, was, I was thinking of Wild River Wilderness, and okay. that's beautiful too. There, there's some trails that are chewed up, but uh, generally it's pretty easy to find your way there. It, no, there's not a lot of people in there, which is great. The fishing's fantastic. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like I said, this weekend I'm uh, for the long weekend. I'm I'm planning on going over there. I haven't picked a route yet. Uh, and honestly, I was kind of choosing between like something, I guess, in the Dry River Wilderness, or something around isolation there, uh-huh. or something over in the Wild River Wilderness. I got that right. Um, I'm kind of choosing between just like a maybe a, a two. Let's see. It'd be like Friday evening, Saturday, Sunday into Sunday afternoon. So yeah, like a two night, two day kind of thing. Um, I don't. I don't need you to give me an exact route because I have a map and I know how to use it. But any ideas? I guess is to saying that between those two areas, like any um, any routes or I just said don't give me a route. And yeah, any ideas for what I should do there? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um... Start at the Bogbrook Trailhead, uh, which is up in Jackson, uh, and find your way up the Rainbow Trail to Carter Dome. I'm going to grab my map. I have it right here. Um, where? Sorry, say that again. Started where? Bogbrook. Uh, where, like, where's the trailhead? It's, um, do you know where the Halls Trail is? Or no. Hutman's I... Path? Um, what, like, off of what road is it? Or it's... Is it... It's, you go up Carter Notch Road. <laughs> go, so this, go to Jackson. Go to Jackson. Yeah, I'm in. I see Jackson. Do you know where Black Mountain is? I see Black. I don't know where it is, but I just happened to look at it right as you said that. I, I see Carter Notch Road now. Yes. So go up. Keep going all the way up to the end. I see it now. Bogbrook. I see it. Bogbrook. Yeah. So go in Bogbrook. Uh, go up. Uh, I can't remember the exact trail links uh, sort of links but go up the rainbow trail okay okay which is unbelievable and um then at carter dome go down the black angel trail oh okay and then you could like loop back over well a good thing to do is to you could go from there to um into the ball faces yeah that's actually an area i was thinking about hitting up so you could you can hike over to the bald faces. I mean, uh, there are a lot of different trails you can take, and then and you know so you could for example hike up to um, uh, I guess it's Eagle Ridge, and then hike down past Meter. Oh, this looks awesome! Right? Yeah. Um, and then maybe go down the the Basin. I think it's the Basin Cascade or Basin Trail. One of the two. Sure. Then uh, cross well. You have two options. One is they're both great. Uh, cross at the Shelburne Crossing. It's a, a ford mm-hmm. on the Wild River. And uh, you can go right and go up the Shelburne Trail, which is also awesome. Shel- Shelburne Mariah is a sub-peak of Mariah. It's unbelievable. Oh, my God. It's gorgeous. <laughs> Above tree line without a lot of elevation. Um, I like the sound of that. Super remote. Su- you'll see bears and stuff. And, um, or, or you can go left and go up Mariah Brook, which is also a stunning, stunning trail. Awesome. And that yeah. way you could, you could kind of do a loop, come I, back on the Carters. I did a hike many years ago, probably around the time that I sent that email to you, where I parked at the Shelburne Trailhead, like right, oh, the one, the, like the one that's right after the main border. Yeah. Like literally right next to it. And we did like this is a long time ago. Um, we did like Shelburne to, I think we ended up all the way on the Black Angel Trail somehow and ended oh, up good. on like staying so, near the Carter Hut. Maybe uh-huh. that was a jeez, that was a big day for me back then. Damn. Um, but I I vaguely remember that. So I that's really the only time, except for when I did the AT and you know was going through there. Um, that's really the only time I've ever been in that area of the Whites. So I think I'm gonna. I kind of like your idea of starting at the Bog. Brook, I think it was Trailhead. Um, and I mean, you can also, uh, you know, when you when you come back, you can come down the Wildcat Trail. Yep, yep. Which is really nice too. Great, probably the best uh, Wild Brook 
brook trout stream in, in the state. Oh, nice! You're getting me. Uh, you're, you're 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 making me jealous. I I just I just bought a fishing license for the first time this year. Good. And uh, well, Vermont one. That's the thing. And New Hampshire charges uh, a lot of money for an out-of-state fishing license. So that's not that bad. I, I think it's like I don't I don't remember what it was. I just remember it was more than New York, which I was surprised because I was like, usually New York's more expensive, but. I digress. Um, well, thank you for planning my hike for me there. That was... <laughs> well, I don't know. It's just I threw out some trail names, so you, know, you can. But but the nice thing about that whole whole system is there's so many places you can hike and, and you can loop. You can make loops. Oh, dude, That's it, the great I thing. I I echo that so much. And and here's the thing: like, I'm gonna sound kind of condescending here, but so many people these days they just like look up stuff on the internet and they like look up a specific route and like, Oh, I want to do this route that somebody already did that I have all the details for. And I want right. to use my all trails app and all this stuff. And you know, that's fine. Like that's a good way to get introduced to stuff, but I've always found with the whites into the Adirondacks to a slightly lesser extent, just cause it's a little bit more difficult. Um, but especially with the whites, like I just like to look at the map. Like I was two seconds ago while you were talking there, and just like plan my own route. Like I don't need to go and find something on the internet that someone else has already done. Like I feel like that's the the real um like the the thing that's so awesome about the uh, the the trail system there. Like literally exactly what you just said. Like you can just plan your own routes and stuff. Um, and that's also a great way to see a lot of things that uh you know most people not most people a lot of people don't get to see when they're just focused on the four thousand footers. You know. Right. And, and, you know, backpacking also opens up a whole different world as well. I mean, you get to see, you know, the night. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which is, I, I mean, I love sleeping outdoors. Just love it. And so backpacking gives you that access. And you can you can, you can camp out. You know, there are incredibly um, liberal rules for camping in the Whites. And um, so there are a lot of places you can camp out and just have a marvelous, marvelous time. Oh, I love it, man. I love it. That's, it's, I feel so like grateful to live so close to an area like the Whites and have the ability to, to be able to go over there. And, and, you know, I've been going over there for, for many years now. Um, this is a completely different direction here, but I've slowly come to the realization that I'm, and you said this yourself at the beginning, like you've probably tried like, almost every single piece of backpacking gear out there like literally every time i ever go to search for like a review on a piece of gear that i'm interested in buying there's always a section how you can review it like every freaking backpack every tent all that stuff um how do you even like do you ever have like a consistent gear setup or are you just always like trying new stuff like what's that what, like how do you how do you even deal with that i would get overwhelmed well i i actually i have sort of two sets of gear there's the stuff that I consider my personal gear, um, and that's the stuff I really, really like and try to use, you know, as much as possible on my kind of personal trips. And then there's gear that's always coming in and going out, which is stuff that I'm going to review. Mm -hmm. And um, so they're kind of two piles. So yeah, I, I have. I mean, I have some shelters I've owned for like 10, 15 years <laughs> and still use them. They're great. But, but uh, you know, it's hard. That's why I'm out so much. I mean, I, I spend a lot, many, many nights out every year, you know, trying different things and, and then, uh, uh, you know, using using my tents when, whenever I can. I mean, one thing, I, I, I really like to hammock, actually. And... Um, I just don't get to do it as much as I wish. I wish I could. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're always testing out the tents and stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's so. That's so. Dude, you're literally living like so many people's dream. Like, just get to go hike and test gear like all the time. Like, that's that's so cool. Not that it's not that it's like you know. There's obviously a lot that goes into it. I I know that just from my experience creating this kind of content. Like, there's there's more to it than just that, people. But oh yeah, it's still like super awesome. Like, I think that's so cool. Um. Oh, dude. Uh, I guess we're talking about you just mentioned hammocks and tents there. Um, that's kind of a not a actually divisive issue, but like a half divisive, just little slightly edgy issue in in the backpacking community. Um, I've made a couple of videos about about that topic on my channel. Um, why do you prefer a hammock over a tent? Well, it's not really a a, a preference that way. It, it's more like for different types of terrain. You use different or, or weather conditions. You use different shelters, sure. right? So if you're hiking the AT, 
you really want a hammock because <laughs> you don't want to actually <laughs> sleep on the ground <laughs> for various reasons oh, having yeah. to do with you know poop and snakes so <laughs> um it, it, so it just makes sense you, you know and you can you can stop when you want to stop you don't have to stay at shelters um and it just gives you enormous flexibility and there are trees everywhere and so there there are places where when i'm when i'm um backpacking where trees you know it just makes sense that you know that i i don't have to look for a campsite i can pretty yeah. much stop wherever i want and but but having to look for a good pitch for a tent can can you know take a while oh yeah uh depending on where you are um so it's just you know it, i i i pretty much determine what shelter i'm going to bring based on my mood and <laughs> and and um you know what the terrain or, or weather conditions are going to be like yeah yeah and that's that's the essence of it like it's you know the way i frame that question you know a lot of people say like oh it's you know either you're a hammock guy or a tent guy but there really is a lot of flexibility there and, and that's something oh, yeah. that i've kind of really started to learn just even this year so far because i've always been a hammocker and this year i'm kind of prepping for some hopefully uh hikes out west in the near uh-huh. future and right. so this year i was like okay i'm gonna get a tent so i can get used to that because i've done you know the three thousand ish miles i've done up to this point have all been with uh with a hammock and so i was like i'll get a tent this year um and just try that out even though i'm still going to be in the northeast and stuff and i've only let's see i've used it twice in the whites so far this year and I, it's fine, like, ham- or, uh, tents are cool, and, and I like the inflatable sleeping pad and stuff, but <laughs> it is way easier to find campsites with a hammock, like, no doubt about it, like, don't, like, don't get me wrong, the tent's fine, it's, like, probably lighter weight, too, or at least my specific setups. Yeah, whatever. But it's, like, yeah. It's so much easier. It's so much <laughs> easier, and I found on the AT, again, I did the AT with a hammock, but there was a lot of places where you were pretty fine with a tent, you know, especially down south and stuff, but in a place like the Whites or in southern Maine or even in Vermont in a lot of places. Forget it. Yeah, it's like, it's it's doable still, like people do it, but it's just, it definitely just makes it a little bit easier when you when you have a hammock. So that's definitely something to, to consider, I guess, if, if anybody listening is thinking about doing the AT or just thinking about heading out to the Whites and stuff like that. Um, let me ask you something about Section Hiker. So you've 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 created so much content on there, wrote so much stuff. Um, what do you prefer? This is like the content creator in me, like nerding out a little bit. But do you prefer doing the gear articles, the gear reviews, or the trip reports and write ups and things like that? I I just like the variety. To tell you the truth, sometimes. Uh, so I, I I have probably about twenty different article types. And um, I just try to rotate through them based yeah. on against again how I feel, um, and you know gear reviews at this point are actually much easier to write than trip reports. Really, really. <laughs> I actually don't write a lot of trip reports anymore. Um, I'm not sure why, but uh, I, I I mainly write hiking guides now uh, as opposed to trip reports. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, now. That's not totally true. It, it, if I take a, a backpacking trip, I might, and it, and it's sort of been interesting in some interesting way, or I, or I think of a theme that I want to write about, or there is something I was thinking about on the trip. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'll write about it. Um, but even when I when I take trips, especially like example, of, you know, if I go on a section hike on the AT or or someplace, I'll actually write more about the people I meet. <laughs> <laughs> than oh, okay. the actual yeah. hike because that's the interesting thing you know what i mean especially once you've done so much hiking too you know yeah. that's kind of what sticks out in your head more than just like the the epic view you saw or whatever i i absolutely 100 percent feel that have has there ever been a time where you either i don't even know i don't even care if you were given the gear or you bought it or whatever but you went to like review a piece of gear and it was just like complete garbage and you just like had to just like I don't know, shit on it in an article or something like that. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) And you, you don't have to give me the specific um, brand and model and stuff, but can you just like talk about that a little bit? Because that's honestly, that's one thing I've just been thinking about as my, as my content has gotten more popular. I've, I've started to had, I've had a, you know, companies start to reach out to me and, 
and offer gear in exchange for reviews and stuff like that. I haven't really taken too many of them up on it so far, but I've, I've always just been like, well, shit, if someone gives me something and I don't like it, like, what should I do, you know? <laughs> so the, the most important thing in creating content on the web is to be true to your audience. So, you know, basically screw the manufacturers. It, you know, if, if, if they're, I'm just like, they're, they're not the important audience, if you would, mm -hmm. right? It's your readers. That's the most important thing always. You have to tell them the truth. Yep. Now, um, if I, I've reviewed gear and it has really sucked, <laughs> and I'll tell them, it's like I'm going to warn you that this doesn't live up to expectations. Mm -hmm. Now, what I will do uh, if it's a small manufacturer, th there's a responsibility that I feel given sort of the size of my readership. And that is, if it's a small manufacturer, I'll usually, if it's really bad, I'll contact them and see if we can't, re you know, revise the product somehow. Mm -hmm. oh, right? Okay, that's, that's pretty cool though. Yeah, because I'd rather use a product and give them feedback yeah. about what's wrong with mm -hmm. it than, and there, I mean, I used to be in, you know, I came out of the software startup thing so no one wants a, a big heavy to give you a terrible review yeah. online, right? And and I, just my responsibility to you know to the manufacturers as well as my audience is just you know work with a smaller company as opposed to destroy them. Yeah. But if it's some giant you know uh, <laughs> tent manufacturer that has you know ten million customers, they don't give a shit. You yeah, know, it's not if you give them a bad review, they, they think any news is good news. So any coverage <laughs> is good coverage. Um, whereas a small manufacturer, you can really hurt them. So right. I, try to, I try to avoid doing I that. I think that's, yeah, I think that's really good. I haven't really thought about this stuff too much. I did make a video on like sponsorships and backpacking and, and uh -huh. I totally agree. Um, you know, obviously not from a place of as much experience as you've had with this stuff, but I, I definitely agree that, uh, you know, honesty with your audience is key because if you just start selling them shit, then oh, like yeah. they're not gonna. They're, that's you know, terrible. You're just gonna lose your your credibility. Um, and I, I think that's a really a really good point you made too about you know not just wrecking a small manufacturer because at the end of the day, if you you go back to them and say, hey, look, like this did not live up to expectations, that's kind of a net gain for everybody. You know, yeah. it's it's a net gain for them because they're getting feedback on their product. Um, it's a net gain for everybody else who's going to buy it potentially because they're you know you're hopefully contributing to a better product as well and obviously you're you're like you said you're not just gonna you know really fuck them over for lack of yeah, a better term <laughs> so i i think that's a i think that's a really cool um i think i think that's a really cool thing to say how about this uh this free i don't know if you called it a book resource um online that we you know we kind of talked about a little bit before this uh the start i know you, you brought it up uh briefly at the beginning but can you kind of expand on that because it sounds like that could be uh you know explain what it is and stuff it sounds like that could be something that's pretty useful for folks who are you know just first getting into hiking in the white mountains yeah well basically it's uh so it's a guidebook it i, I call it a guidebook but it's really a a set of um i have to count them maybe 15 18 uh very detailed uh uh, route plans, uh, trip plans. Uh, it gives you, you know, uh, the trails hiked, the mileage, where all the shelters and campsites are, information about all the trails and what you'll see, and there's lots of photographs uh, that illustrate the experience. Um, and um, it's for basically primarily loops for doing the 4,000 footers. So if oh, you're interested, cool. okay. yeah. So if you're, if you're, and there's some traverses as well, but you know, it's like a detailed plan for a Pemi loop, for instance. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, and the same with a Prezi traverse, but I, I, I've actually, um, I have like over the years developed like some of my favorite routes, <laughs> if you would, <laughs> that, that take in the 4,000 footers but you also get to ex really experience um, a lot of things that you wouldn't normally experience on a day hike uh, in the whites. So, you know, like a, a, a nice 30 mile loop in say, um, 
that sort of area between Ethan Pond and Mount Carrigan, right? Mm-hmm. So up the Shoal Pond Trail and the Thoreau uh, Trail. People don't necessarily hike in there, but there's some just gorgeous rivers and waterfalls and streams and cliffs and all kinds of stuff. And um, so you get to hike the 4,000-footers because everyone wants to check off those. But you also get to experience the wilderness in some areas you wouldn't go. Um, so I've, I basically curated these things over the years because, I mean, I, I, I take, you know, dozens of trips every year. <laughs> and um, uh, and I, so I, I sort of share the beauty, if you would, uh, at the same time helping new, especially new backpackers, um, with some of the unknowns about where to camp and what the yeah. regulations are in the White Mountains um, so they understand, you know, how to leave no trace and, and leave a, you know, a light footprint, if you would, yeah, uh, to preserve it. I think that's awesome. And to kind of circle that back to a thought that I'd shared earlier and in many other episodes as well, talking about the Whites, um, I think it's it's cool that from what you just said there, it sounds like it, you know, highlights the 4,000 footers, but it also highlights some of that lesser known stuff. Because like I said earlier, it's like everyone wants to just do the 4,000 footers. And again, I understand that. I was the same way when I first started there. But there's just so much out there. So I think it's cool that you can kind of wrap those two things together, you know? Um, well, you know, and, and I think it's actually important that – that so everyone everyone I know, I know a lot of guidebook authors. <laughs> and in fact, I've had publishers come to me and say, we'd really like to publish this. And I'm like, screw that. This is free. <laughs> <laughs> and and actually, people use it. People rave about it. So and and that's what I like. The people are using it. They're getting something out of it. I'm not creating a barrier to get it. Do you know what mm. I mean? And I think that's you, awesome. Yeah. You can't make any money off guidebooks anyway. Trust me. <laughs> so um, might as well give it away for free. That's cool, man. Um, obviously, he's on your website. But is there like a specific place on your site people can go to check that out? So the place on my website, if you go to sectionhiker.com, there are two ways to find this these these uh, th- this guidebook. Um, you can click on the White Mountains menu item uh, in the top menu bar, uh, and if you uh, or you can look at uh, the rightmost column, uh, and there's a graphic that says uh, has uh, written on top backpacking the White Mountain four thousand footers, a free guidebook. In fact, if you just type into Google backpacking the 4,000-footers, it'll come up as the first item. Okay, cool. That's that's some good SEO. Nice job. Yeah. <laughs> um, dude, well, that's I think that's I think that's so cool, honestly. I kind of wish I had known about that. Uh, I'm not like I'm not sure exactly when you when you pub or quote published it or whatever, but um that would have been helpful for me, I'm sure, when I was first getting into it. Well, it's kind of ongoing, so. Um, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> it, uh, you know, Even I did better. it. Nice. I, I sort of completed it in 2018, but uh, as I sort of, if you would, develop new routes, I've been publishing them. Gotcha, man. Um, so we're getting into the end of the episode here, and this is the part where we, not we, uh, my guest, you share a story, and. From my understanding, this is a pretty recent story, yeah? <laughs> yeah, quite. Last uh, Thursday. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, so not even a week ago, because today is Wednesday, July 1st, uh, the day of this recording. So, yeah, um, take it away. Damn. I'm, I'm, like, I'm, ex- I'm excited to hear this, but also I know it's not a good story, so I'm not excited in that regard. But anyways, yeah, sorry. Uh, take it away. Well, I was uh, on a redlining hike, beautiful day in the Northern Presidentials, and I, I climbed up the Caps Ridge Trail to Jefferson, and uh, then I was uh, hiking down a trail called the Castle Trail, and I planned to go down the Castle Trail and then back up the Castle Ravine Trail. Kind of a big hike, but it was a beautiful day, and I, I wanted to do you know three hard trails in one day. So uh, as I was... Uh, so the Castle Trail is a rocky trail. Uh, it's you know it starts uh, above treeline. Actually, it runs above treeline for about 1.5 miles. And uh, as you come down it, there are these uh, small little rock castles. They call them. They're little peaklets, and they're each one is a scramble. 
and I was coming down the last castle, kind of go, going over the last castle. It's okay. on a ridge that goes all the way down to Randolph. And I badly sprained my ankle. Ooh. So I, I was coming down a small cliff face, stepped on a root, and my, uh, my ankle twisted doesn't really happen a lot to me and mm. you know rolled over and um i knew i heard this popping sound which is characteristic of a bad sprain and uh i was like oh shit <laughs> yeah that doesn't that's not a good feeling it was not good it was like i knew immediately there was something seriously wrong so um uh, so i'm i'm standing there thinking okay uh I'm on a tough trail. This is a tough trail. Uh, you know, it's 3.5 miles up from uh, a trailhead, um, the most obvious trailhead. So, you know, if I have to be carried out, it's going to be bad. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be real bad. So in, in, in wilderness first aid, they teach you that for every um, quarter mile you are from a trailhead, it's going to take search and rescue an hour to travel. Damn. <laughs> so, you know, I was looking at like probably 10 hours waiting for a litter to appear. Yeah. If I had to be carried out. And so I, I, so, but I, 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 I've taken this damn wilderness first aid class quite a number of times to keep recertifying as a guide. And um, so I knew that there's going to be a lot of swelling but I had some time before it would really kick in, and I could still put weight on the foot. Um, it wasn't comfortable, but I could right, do it. You could do it, yeah. And I decided to hike out, and so I hiked out, and I actually um, made it back to my car. It was about a two point seven mile hike to the nearest trailhead, where I actually had my. So I had to go over some rough trails. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, hiked out and drove home. And, you know, when I got home, my, my ankle had swollen up to the size of a big orange. <laughs> and it was not good. I could, in fact, I could barely walk right yeah. now. Um, and uh, so anyway, it was, it was an interesting experience. It was, you know, but, but the thing that was going through my mind is I really, I know a lot of people in search and rescue in the, in the whites. And I didn't want to call them out. This is not... <laughs> You know, when I could actually get out on my own. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that's that was that's the story. So there was a lot of, you know, I had to like think a lot of trade offs. Which what's the best route to go? Um, what will happen when I get to the end of this route? You know, there's very little cell phone service up there. I have a satellite communicator, so I was fine that mm -hmm. way. But um, uh, I just thought that that hiking out was the most prudent thing to do and the, the least impact on the search and rescue community, which is having a pretty tough time right now. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding with everything going on. Well, it, it's a shitty situation. I'm glad to hear you're okay though. Obviously. I'm um, glad to hear you made it out. And I've, I've thought about this myself. I've never had a situation like that. Um, and I've always thought like, what would I do if obviously, obviously if it's bad enough that you, can't like literally cannot physically walk out and there's you don't have much of a choice but i've always thought like yeah if i had something like that happen i was pretty much just gonna give all i have to get myself out because i i don't really want to burden um the the search and rescue folks like that so i don't know um it's a shitty situation though dude how uh how long do you think roughly before you're gonna be able to get back out there I have no idea. Damn. <laughs> probably, it, I think it's probably going to be a month. That's I actually, think. okay, that's that's not too bad, though. That's not too bad. But um, it could be longer. <laughs> yeah, right. You, obviously, you don't know for sure, but... We'll but, see. Yeah, just got to do some more podcasts and, you know, take a breather, have a couple extra beers, and you'll be back out there before you know it, hopefully. Yeah. Uh, so, with that said, uh, I think that's going to do it, man. Thank you so much for reaching out and, and, and doing this. Like, seriously, I, I really appreciate it. It's really cool to talk. Um, thanks for all the content you're putting out there. It's a super valuable resource for everybody listening. I can personally attest to that. Um, I'm not sure, you know, who knows how I would have ended up, who knows if I even would have <laughs> ended up through hiking the AT if it wasn't for 
um, content like yours that I stumbled across when I was a young, impressionable, inexperienced backpacker wannabe. Um, so that's, I think it's really cool, man. Thank you so much. Sure. Thanks a lot. Great talking to you. Awesome. That's going to do it, everybody. Thank you for, oh, no, no, hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, plugs. So we've, I feel like this is why I forgot it. Usually I have people plug their stuff at the end in sectionhacker.com. We talked about that a bunch, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm still going to give you that opportunity, obviously. So um, obviously the website, sectionhacker.com. Is there anywhere, anywhere else or anything else you want to plug or do you want to just double down on that one? Just double down on that one. I mean, everything everything is up on Section Hiker. It's pretty easy to navigate through the site. There is a lot of content. There are over two and a half thousand articles. So, uh, but there's something for everybody. <laughs> Absolutely, sectionhiker.com. I'll have a link in the show notes as usual. Um, so yeah, thank you, man, and thank you to everybody listening. That's gonna do it. Have a good one. Thanks. Bye bye.